Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from the Debbie Matthews Nashville Realty Newsroom in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, December 28th, and we start with local news. The Tennessee Department of Education released on Thursday, December 21st, its first-ever letter grades for each public school in the state, including the 21 public schools operating within the Murray County Public Schools District. The 2022-23 letter grades are meant to provide a snapshot of how each school is doing in meeting the state's expectations for learning, according to the Department of Education. The calculation used to generate grades for schools include four indicators, student achievement, student academic growth, growth of the highest need students, and college and career readiness measure for high schools. Schools receive an indicator score for each of the indicators, ranging from levels 1 through 5. Each indicator score is multiplied by a weight based off the grade band to create a total score which determines the school's letter grade. Within the Murray County Public School System, the two schools to receive an A grade were Spring Hill Middle and Santa Fe Unit School. E.A. Cox Middle and Whitthorn Middle scored the lowest with an F grade. Nine schools received a C letter grade, five received a B, and three received a D. In a statement, Superintendent of Schools Lisa Ventura said the information is used to analyze, review, and utilize to guide instruction. The letter grade designation is one piece of the performance data that has been used to measure schools, Ventura said. School performance data represents a wide range of both success and opportunity across our school system, and each school is working on individualized goals and plans to continually improve and meet the needs of their students and families. We are proud of the work being done by the leaders, teachers, and support staff in the Murray County Public School System to promote positive school culture, to provide high-quality instruction, and to prepare our graduates for college and career, she said. State Representative Scott Sapicki, who is the chair of the Education Instruction Subcommittee, spoke on the newly released letter grades, which he said will be used to come up with a plan for the worst-performing schools. What you're seeing in Murray County, there are some schools performing at a very high level, Representative Sapicki said. If you're an A school in Murray County, that means your proficiency grades are very high and your growth scores are very high. If you're a C school, that could mean one of two things. Either your proficiency is very high and your growth is very low, which wouldn't make sense, or your growth is very high and your proficiency is very poor, he said. Most of these schools that are C's are because their growth scores are very high, but the kids don't know because they're not on grade level and they're failing the test, he said. Sapicki predicted that legislation will be brought forth when the General Assembly goes back into session next month. I think we'll see legislation this year that will give all options to the Commissioner of Education about how to bring about those changes at the local level, he said, not ruling out a possible district takeover. We owe it to these kids to make sure they're getting the best education possible so they can become the future Tennesseans that will continue to drive our state forward, he said. To view how your student's school did, you can visit the website tdepublicschools.ondemand.sas.com forward slash grades. One more time, that's tdepublicschools.ondemand.sas.com forward slash grades. 
The Mount Pleasant Commission approved last Tuesday, December 19th, a resolution outlining the selection process for a new city manager. Current Mount Pleasant City Manager Kate Collier previously indicated to city commissioners that she will be retiring, with the commission voting last month to open the position and seek assistance from the state's Municipal Technical Advisory Service, or MTAS. Now, the commission has unanimously voted to approve the hiring process for a new city manager, with each step taking place in the form of a public meeting. The first thing to do is to decide what city manager you want and what are the qualifications, city attorney Corey Jones said. MTAS will then send commissioners a survey for them to complete, which will be returned to an MTAS representative. They will use that information and put it together to present a job announcement, which will outline the consensus for that job criteria, Jones said. Commissioners would then gather to vote on the announcement, which would include pay scale and minimum requirements, among others. Commissioners would also decide on how long the position stays open, with a minimum of 30 days recommended, or keeping it open until the position is filled. During the next meeting, the board would decide on who they want to interview before beginning the interview process. MTAS will prepare the questions and they conduct the interview, and you would listen to the responses, Jones said. Finally, commissioners would make a decision on how to move forward. At that meeting, you would either decide if we want to move forward negotiating a contract with them, or you would say we'd like to do a second interview with this person. After that, a contract would be negotiated, she said. Collier said her biggest concern is ensuring her successor has a background in utilities. The biggest concern when you look at other cities is most cities do not have three utilities. Many cities do not have any utilities, she said. That's a separate entity. So that's a really big deal here that we make sure someone has some real utility background because that's a big part of my everyday job, she said. Commissioner Mike Davis, who is not in attendance at last week's meeting, stated last month that he wished Collier had come to commissioners first about her retirement. She wants to make sure the city is left in good standing. I appreciate what she's done, but we should have had a meeting and she should have come to us and said she is planning on retiring and we need to go from there, Davis said. In other news, the commission also approved a resolution for the purchase of land located at Hidden Acres and the sale agreement per the terms set out in the contract. Last month, the city authorized the city manager to negotiate the property located next to the city park up to $120,000. Pursuant to that authority, Kate did negotiate a purchase of the property for $120,000, and she entered into a land purchase and sale agreement for that property, Jones said. The two conditions set forth in the contract include approval and included approval and that the city is satisfied with access to the property. There's a contingency in the contract that says we don't have to close and it's not a default from the contract if we're not satisfied with the access, Jones said. The road goes up to the property that's going to be purchased and it's a city road up until that point. And then once it crosses this property that the city is buying, it's just an easement. So that means if you buy this property, you're buying it subject to that easement, which means you could use it to access the property, but you can't move it or abolish it, she said. Collier said the city is unsure what exactly to do with the green space, which could be paid for by a USDA grant. We don't know what we're going to do next. The way I look at it is we're protecting green space. We're protecting the part we already have, she said. Spring Hills Board of Mayor and Alderman denied 7-1 to a development agreement last week that would have seen improvements made to an intersection of Kedron Road and Port Royal Road. 
The Kedron Corner development is currently seeking preliminary approval from Murray County for 360 homes and was asking the city to connect Kedron Road to provide access to the proposed development. I don't believe approving or denying this is going to stop the development of a by-right project. I think it's possibly going to delay it for a while, Alderman Matt Fitterer said. I think the net result is we still end up with the same number of cars on Port Royal. Despite agreeing with Fitterer on that point, Alderman Trent Linville listed several reasons he felt the agreement was not ideal for the city, including the fact the development is not in the city limits. If they want to connect to Spring Hill City infrastructure, they have the opportunity to request annexation, go through the rezone process, and then connect to the road, he said. Linville added safety concerns as well as brought up budgetary concerns. While the developer would agree to pay $1,939,000 toward the improvements, the cost analysis put the project above $5 million currently. With the contribution to the intersection improvements, it leaves us with a large influx of traffic, but a $5.3 million project that we don't currently have budgeted and don't have visibility on how we're going to budget it, Linville said. Spring Hill Mayor Jim Hageman agreed. In my short experience here, what I have seen historically happen is the dangling of a carrot. $1.9 million is a lot of money, but when you compare that to what the project actually costs, it's a drop in the bucket. Whatever the cost is today, the more you delay it, the costs just go up, he said. City Administrator Pam Kasky said the money contributed by the developer would go into an account that would accrue interest and any future developers would also be required to contribute funds to the project. There was, however, no timeline on when the project would commence. The agreement we have with the developers is that the dollars that would be provided by the developer would be set aside, dedicated to the improvement of the intersection. We made it clear to them that it didn't guarantee when it was going to be done, she said. Any future developers come on that would impact that intersection, we would require the same of them. I'm working on a formula for that. Those dollars would not be available for any other road work. It would be for the intersection itself, she said. Alderman Vincent Fuqua noted the road is already in need of repairs, and adding construction traffic to the road would add to the issues facing the road improvement project. The work that's being done on a partnership is great. However, looking at the condition of the roadway from I-65 until you get to Saturn Parkway is decreasing in quality, he said. Specifically, Port Royal down to the interstate. Any money granted to us would go immediately to paving and improving the sideline of that road, he said. I'm not sure there would be many dollars that could go to the improvement of the intersection with the current road condition. The lone vote in favor of the project was from Alderman William Pomeroy, who said the city needs to improve the intersection with or without the development a point fitterer made earlier in the discussion. I think this property is one parcel away from being able to access Bates or Silverado or other access that feed out onto Clara Mathis. Should the developer acquire one of these properties, they get the second entrance out. They're allowed to build their right by right project anyway, and Spring Hill is left with the same impact at Kedron and Port Royal Road without their financial contribution, he said. Two popular Columbia food and drink businesses are coming together in one big, not to mention tasty, partnership on North Garden Street. For Bad Idea Brewing and Ollie and Finn's Counter, locally brewed beer and creative sandwiches are the right ingredients for their new restaurant concept in downtown Columbia. The two former Columbia Arts Building establishments recently reopened this month right off Highway 31 at the New South Business Park at 510 North Garden Street, facing the main artery into the heart of Columbia. 
After months of moving, planning, renovating, and everything that goes into a new business venture, the two hosted a soft opening earlier this month, opening officially last weekend, and ready to serve up gourmet sandwiches, soups, and Bad Ideas' ever-changing menu of creative craft beer. We started looking for another space last summer, kind of keeping our eyes and ears open for the right spot for both of us that wouldn't require too much build-out. Ollie and Finn's co-founder, Anna Eilerman, said, We love this spot because of that, and the visibility is right here, where you can drive, drive, see it driving in, she said. It's also a step forward for yet another business that started in the Columbia Arts Building and now has its own brick-and-mortar facility. The cab has served many businesses as somewhat of an incubator for local small businesses, many of whom have relocated to the North Garden Business Park. It's funny because businesses like Bloomstall, Needle and Grain, The Little Juice Company all started at the Columbia Arts Building, Eilerman said. The response to the pair's reopening was an immediate hit, with customers lining up throughout the night eager to sink their teeth into the menu, which includes a wide range of sandwich types such as the Cuban-inspired Madre de Aguas, the Roast Beef American Werewolf in Colombia, the Turkey and Ham Coyote Club, and more. Mostly, it was a reopening which bred the next step for both businesses and another gathering place for longtime customers, as well as new patrons. It also helps being located just off the city's main highway. We loved being at the Arts Building, but in some way, we were still kind of hidden, even after four years of operating. Being at South Garden, there's no doubt people know we're here, Bad Idea founder Zach Fox said. We almost want to put out a sign that says, Tired of traffic? Come in and have a beer. The partnership also spawned simply from working in the same building, guiding customers to enjoy their sandwiches with a cold Bad Idea beer. Everything just kind of fell into place because we knew we needed a place for food at the Arts Building, Eilerman said. Business hours will be from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., with Saturdays being 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., though Eilerman said that could change in the near future. We are just so pleasantly surprised at the amount of people who become followers and how our regulars would start to grow, Eilerman said. It's been crazy being open at the cab for almost two years, and we have adjusted the menu, providing wider options, and we'll add things as we go. Right now, we're thinking of Bavarian pretzels with a beer cheese made from Bad Idea beer. Fox added that above all, it's a great opportunity to share a space with friends, fellow business owners, and see what the future brings, one beer and one sandwich at a time. We want to bring the same fun environment that we had at the cab, but both do it all under one roof, Fox said. Offering a unified food and beverage experience is really the model for breweries right now, too. The majority of the ones we have stayed that have stayed open have tied in the food aspect, and we're in bed with one of the really good ones, he said. The Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation announced last week 49 grants totaling $191.2 million from the state's American Rescue Plan Fund, part of which TDAC is administering through competitive grants for regionalization, water reuse, resource protection, and a state strategic project. Of the 49 grants announced, 14 are for regionalization, 8 for water reuse, and 27 for resource protection. The City of Spring Hill and Murray County Board of Public Utilities were each awarded grants for local projects. TDAC awarded $7.8 million of the money to the Murray County Board of Public Utilities in partnership with Hillsborough, Burwood, and Thompson Station Utility District for a project that will address regional drinking water needs. The grant money will fund the construction of a single transmission line that will improve Murray County's water availability and water source capacity while serving the needs of both water utilities.
This significant grant is great news for our community. Representative Scott Sapicki said the Murray County Board of Public Utilities provides essential services and I congratulate them on receiving this grant. Quality water infrastructure is essential to all Tennesseans and these funds will go toward meeting the water needs of this county, he said. The project, which will help address the needs of both water utility companies, is expected to improve Murray County's water source capacity and water availability, Sapicki's statement reads. These water infrastructure grants provide assistance to communities across the state and accelerate progress in rural Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee said. I commend the communities that have participated in the application process and look forward to the results of these investments, he said. The city of Spring Hill will use ARP funds to address two issues. One issue is potable water reuse needs. Spring Hill plans to utilize a $2.4 million grant to construct an advanced purification pilot project and will use these funds for the design of the pilot, operation assistance, lab testing and sampling, and procurement of the individual treatment train units. Spring Hill Mayor Jim Hageman said the money will be used in a plan to build a water reservoir tank that will allow stormwater to be mixed with Duck River water, as well as affluent from the wastewater plant to be processed and sent back to the water treatment facility. We are the only city in the state doing this. It has been tested and done in other states, so it's proven technology. It just hasn't been done in Tennessee, he said. Another grant for $800,000 will go toward the investigation and plans for a water supply reservoir on vacant land. The reservoir will allow Spring Hill to provide strategic local drought management and promote resiliency and planning for extreme weather events. The reason for this need is that the Duck River is becoming overwhelmed with the amount of water being drawn drawn from it. As most everybody from around here knows, we draw our water from the Duck River. But Middle Tennessee is growing exponentially and water is something we have to have, Hageman said. The Duck River Authority has told municipalities around us that we can't draw draw more water out than we have already forecasted. Freshwater mussels call the Duck River home, and it is one of the few places in the world where they can be found. We don't want to disturb their natural habitat, so we looked at, for lack of a better phrase, putting a straw in the river further downstream, Hageman said. It was so far downstream that it would have required an interlocal agreement for infrastructure to pump that water back to us that costs millions of dollars. Nobody has that kind of money, he said. Regionalization projects will provide cooperative support across water and wastewater systems to improve the sustainability, affordability, and or reliability of systems. Water reuse projects will reclaim water from a variety of sources, then treat and reuse it for beneficial purposes. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Jacqueline Jones Quillen. 80. A resident of West 7th Street died Friday at NHC Murray Regional Transitional Care. Funeral services for Mrs. Quillen will be conducted on Friday, December 29th at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Friday from 1 p.m. until the time of the service at the funeral home. Hope Elizabeth Bernhard Hood 73, a resident of Columbia and retired LPN for Murray Regional Medical Center, died Thursday, December 21st at her residence. A memorial service will be scheduled at a later date. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family. Online condolences may be extended at www.oaksandnichols.com. Vicki Lynn Love Knight, 79, a lifelong resident of Columbia and retired property underwriting vice president for Farm Bureau, passed away on Monday, December 25th at her residence. A private graveside service will be scheduled at a later date. 
Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family. Marion Robert Davis, 90, a resident of Murray County, died Tuesday, December 26th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service will be held on Saturday, December 30th at 2 p.m. at Williamsport Methodist Cemetery. Military honors will be provided by the American Legion Post-19. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with a specially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have partly cloudy skies becoming increasingly more overcast during the afternoon. The high will reach 43 degrees with winds out of the west at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect cloudy skies with a few flurries or snow showers possible. The low will be 32 with light and variable winds. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Debbie Matthews Realtor and her husband Jason, who is a pro songwriter, also own a music publishing company. They live in historic downtown Columbia with their dogs. Dog rescue work is their passion project. They consider Middle Tennessee their backyard and their lives are full of all things Tennessee. Debbie says there is no greater honor than to help someone find a home. To be trusted with that job, there is no greater privilege. Call Debbie at the Nashville Realty Group, 615-476-3224, 615-476-3224. Family first. <laughs> My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. 
with First Farmers and you can bank with confidence. With personalized solutions, dedicated experts, and over a century of experience, First Farmers lets you feel secure and empowered in your financial choices. This is Felicia Brown with First Farmers, and I would like to remind you that no matter your goals, First Farmers is here for you. Visit MyFirstFarmers.com or call 1-800-882-8378 to switch to First Farmers today. Member FDIC. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Neuschen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years, and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Hi, this is George Rawls with The Way Realty. Please allow me to share a little bit about us. We measure our success by the quality of service you receive. We provide many ways to help you get the most when selling your house, like home staging, landscaping, repairs, professional pictures, and aggressive marketing. Our listings are posted on the MLS, Realtracks.com, Zillow, Realtor.com, and Trulia. Your house will most likely be your biggest investment for your family and for your future retirement. Let us help you fulfill the American dream by buying, building, or selling your next home. And most importantly, let this new year be a great year by putting Jesus first in your life. Jesus Christ changes lives. I know because he changed mine. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Vrilis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Jewish Federation of Greater Nashville announced that it and several other local Jewish organizations received email bomb threats on Sunday. Threats were emailed to Jewish organizations in at least 16 other states all on the same day. Statewide Jewish organizational leadership is working with local and national law enforcement to respond, but it is not yet clear what person or group sent the emails. Initially, synagogues suspended services for the rest of the day Sunday, and Nashville police conducted several security sweeps. Schools, services, and other programming will continue as usual this week, according to Rabbi Dan Horwitz, the CEO of the Jewish Federation of Greater Nashville. We're not going to be intimidated into not proudly and joyfully being Jewish, he said. And Lord knows Nashville in particular has been an incredibly warm and welcoming community broadly for our Jewish community, he said. There has been an uptick in threats against Jewish organizations across the nation since the beginning of the Israel-Hamas conflict on October 7th. Earlier this year, there were multiple incidents where anti-Semitic flyers were found in Middle Tennessee neighborhoods. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Living with a worn joint can be painful and frustrating. Leave your joint pain in the past with a joint replacement procedure at Murray Regional Health. Our joint replacement program has been recognized in the top 10% of the nation for medical excellence and patient safety thanks to our highly skilled and experienced surgical staff who perform progressive procedures for the knees, hips, shoulders, elbows, and ankles. For more information, go to murrayregional.com slash joint replacement. Murray Regional Health, where clinical excellence meets compassionate care. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Nashville Symphony has released details surrounding its second Artist Spotlight series, showcasing a range of guest artists performing concerts and solo recitals at Skirmerhorn Symphony Center throughout 2024. The four-concert series will feature pianist-composer Stuart Goodyear preparing works of his own creation and those of Beethoven, Grammy Award-winning organist Paul Jacobs performing an all-Bach program, Sphinx Virtuosi, the flagship performing entity of the Sphinx organization performing works by Jesse Montgomery, Javier Farias, and others, and a recital with Peter Otto, the orchestra's new Walter Buchanan Sharp concertmaster. Tickets for each concert start at $25, with pre-sale happening now for all Nashville Symphony subscribers. More information about the series can be found at nashvillesymphony.org forward slash spotlight. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on Kennedy Broadcasting WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.